Hello, welcome to the safety moment with the safety chick. My name is Ugochi Bijegu and I'm known as the safety chick because of my work in raising safety consciousness. In this podcast series, we bring you interviews with amazing safety professionals, sharing valuable insights and in different aspects of safety as it concerns you, your life and your work. This is Safety Moments with the Safety Chick, intentionally grooming a safety conscious generation. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another edition of Safety Moments with the Safety Chick. And today I have an amazing guest in the house and she'll be speaking on a very, very important topic, which is eradicating shame surrounding sex education for children. And this is so critical because we happen to be in a part of the world where we really do not like to talk about these things, but the, the incidences keep on increasing. And so it has become more important than to ensure the safety of children in our care. We must educate them. And to talk about this very important topic with us today is Mrs. Ngozimube. She is a child body safety educator. And today she's going to be sharing so much from her experience doing that with parents and those within her spheres of influence. So I'm going to allow her to introduce herself a little bit more so you know the caliber of guests we have right here in the studio with us. Welcome, Mrs. Ngozimobe. Could you please just introduce yourself to us so the audience gets to know who you are? Thank you. Thank you so much, Shigoshi. I'm, I'm excited to be here. So like you mentioned, my name is Ngozimobe. I'm a child sexuality educator and a body safety coach. I educate children on how to keep them safe from, you know, child sexual abuse. Then also I'm a nurse. I've been practicing for over 15 years with um, children, you know, and um, I'm in, into pediatrics and all, and um, I'm into neonatology. So I've been so involved with children and, and it's very, very important that we keep our children safe. So I'm, I'm, this is where I'm passionate about because the things I'm experiencing also, the thing I'm, I'm talking about is what I experienced, some of the things I experienced while I was growing up. So I feel there is a need for every home to have, um, to educate their children, to have this, to be sensitized about this topic. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for all the wonderful work you do. Awesome. Thank you. 15 years experience is no joke, people. Like, it's no joke at all. So we're happy to have someone with such a huge number of experience. And also because she said something so important, there is a personal story involved. I've noticed that when you see some of the safety professionals who really carry this thing, very serious and who are so passionate and pushing an agenda on safety, there is a personal story. Because there's something about having a personal story that really pushes you towards ensuring that what happened in your life does not happen to other people. So maybe we should start with mm. what's your personal story? Because from that personal story, maybe parents can begin to see how the things we take for granted can actually um, put our children in harm's mm. way or how right under their noses, things can be going wrong to their children and they do not even know about it. So please share with us. Thank you so much. Yes, there is a personal story to it and really it drives, drives the passion, you know, to see every other kid not experience what I went through. So when we are young and um, my growing up days, we didn't have any parent teaching about sex education. 
or telling us about our body or what to do, except when you get to the age of um, adolescent, when you start seeing your menses, then you know the gist of, if you thought, if they touch you, you get pregnant, you know, <laughs> how it's downloaded on you. Like, it's a huge thing, you know, and you just receive that someone like with fear and all that. So um, I hadn't gotten, I had gotten that message from my mother. And meanwhile, my mother is um, an educated woman, you know, you know, she's, she retired as a principal. So giving me, she's a teacher. So giving me that education at that point, you know, you, you expect more, okay? You expect more from parents, you expect more from those around you to at least get the child, but we, I didn't get that. And because of that, um, I was exposed to not one, not two, not three of, you know, sexual assault advances and all that from men. The first I had, my first experience was going to my neighbor's house, a simple errand as a child, you know, to just deliver the message to the woman of the house. And I got there, it was this uncle that had come all the way from the university to visit the, the sister, the, you know, the relations from the university. And he was the one at the door that opened the door for me. And when he opened it, I greeted. At that moment, I stepped in. The, the electricity, Nepal people took light. You know, the light went away and everywhere it was turned into darkness, you know. I was still saying, please, I need to see your mom or your aunt. And the next thing I felt, I was still growing up. I think I was still, I was 11, 12. I felt a hand grab my little body breast. You know, I was in shock. I was, I couldn't move. I, I it was such a horrible experience. I stood there like, you know, that's what, sometimes when you tell children that, why didn't you do anything? It's, it's, it's not funny, it's not that simple. It's not that simple because the shock overwhelms you. You do not even expect that this kind of person will do this, you know? So I stood there and I, went, I, 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 I didn't know what else to do at that moment because number one, I wasn't even supposed to talk to an elder anyhow. He is an elder, you know, in his 20, 20s and I am just a young child of 11, 12. So when that happened, I, I, and then he used, he grabbed my hand and placed it on his bulging penis. It was, it was such a horror. Then at that moment, before I could even react, they never brought, they, you know, they, they brought back the light, like they on the, their generator and all that. And the, the light came back. And he whisked immediately, he ran into the nest, his room and closed the door. And I was on the passage there shivering. I couldn't relay the message. I couldn't, I didn't even, when the woman came out, I was just looking at her dumb. I didn't, she said, ah, how are you being here? What happened? Are you okay? I just stood there. And the next thing I did was run back to my house. And it was expected that when I get home, I'm going to run to my mother and say, I'm going to run to my mother and say, oh, mommy, see, look, look at what happened. Can you imagine what I couldn't? Because there was no access. There was no education. There was no communication there, there was nothing to prepare you for that you know so that was such a horror that was my first that was my first uh, story you know and uh, i carried it up to date as a secret i mean i never told anybody i never told my mom i didn't know how she would feel about it i didn't know how anybody would feel about it i, I was ashamed 
you know, I was ashamed of my body. I was ashamed of myself. I, I, so I couldn't voice it out to anyone. Wow. So that was wow. my first encounter, yeah. Yeah, my, I've just been saying, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> because you, th this story actually um, encompasses all the elements, you know, we're trying to teach about when we're trying to tell parents, these are the things you must do to ensure that your child is protected. There's so many things here. First thing is that nobody told, nobody basically tells you that this is how to handle this if it happens. Because the challenge we keep having exactly. is, we keep having children find themselves in safety situations and they are not certain how to act because nobody actually told them this kind of things might happen. If they do happen, this is how you should manage it. What and now when do? it does happen, exactly. yes. yes. So like in your own case now, there was that shock because you can't believe this is even happening to you. And then you don't even know what to say yes. because now you feel ashamed. Somehow you feel like you cost it and you, you do not want to talk yes, about it. It's my fault. Exactly, because if you talk about it, it might look like, um, what were you doing there? Or somehow the blame would go back to you. And so, you, you know, you. there is shame. There is no way to communicate. You were not prepared. It just has the entire element of, you know, what we keep talking about when we're saying it is important to prepare your children ahead. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Exactly. I can totally understand how, you, you never talked about it until now that you are an adult. And I know that there are many stories of many adults who went through this as children. And the thing in safety is yes, we're, you're always right, trying, you're right. yeah, we're always trying to prevent a reoccurrence. We don't want what has happened to other people mm. to happen to those who are coming behind. So can you really exactly. talk now about the importance of communication? in sex education mm. between parents and children. And, mm. you know, parents building that rapport with their children so that their children feel free to talk about things when things happen to them. Uh, thank you. That has been a burning theme in my mind. You know, when I started having kids, I decided that um, I would be so close to my children, you know, because I didn't get that. I didn't get that when I was growing up. You know, I wanted, I'm a child that, uh, or I was a child that wanted, you know, that closeness with my mom. I lost my father at a very young age. I was so close with my dad. So when he passed on, it hit me like I was alone. Yes, mm. my mom was there. You know, I had siblings. We were seven. So you can imagine the burden on my mom to give everybody what they want, and that was such a, a huge burden on her anyway. Now I come to understand it, but then I didn't understand it that way. You know, I had so much resentment towards her because I felt I'm being alienated, I'm being maltreated, you know, I'm being made to do so many things. Why? Because um, I'm the first, I'm the first child. I had to yeah. shoulder a lot of responsibilities when I was young. So there was not that communication. So I think it's important for parents to create that because without that communication, your children can never, you know, come to you to tell you even when anything like this happens. I was never close to my mom. I, when I was growing up, when I, I grew at a certain age, she started looking for that relationship, you know. She started coming closer. She started drawing, you know. But it wasn't there because I was already attached to my friends. Sometimes my mom will come to me and say, this thing that happened, everything that happened, something that this happened and you didn't tell me, 
and it was your friend that told you. It, it got, you know, it got that um, to that extent. So I encourage parents because without communication, it's going to be a lot tough for your child to tell you that any sort of thing that happened to them, you know. And because many of our parents are strict, strict to the extent that their children fear them. Because of that fear, they wouldn't even open their mouth and talk. So I believe that there is a place of communication, a place of cordial relationship needs to be established between parents and children. We really need to come down to our children's level. So many parents I've met have complained that they don't understand their children. Then their children also say, I don't understand my mom. I don't understand my dad. It's a two-way thing. Everybody is just <laughs> going off and off about it. But because we have not come down, it is our responsibility to sit down, you know, learn our children, each and every one of them, because we can't lump them together. That was what most parents were doing then. You lump the children together, and you feel that what A needs is what B needs. And that's wrong. The way you show love to A might not be the way you show love to the second child. Every child has their love language, and every child has different emotions and how they accept things. So many parents overlook that. We really need to come back to that level where we communicate with them, each child, learn what they need, learn how they respond to discipline, learn how they respond to love, learn, you know, what ticks them, the emotions that they have. Like I have three daughters, I have three girls, and each and every one of them, they're so different. Like I sat down to study them, and sometimes my husband tells me, you're already in the mind of this children. Because the thing is, <laughs> I, I didn't get that. So I... <laughs> I didn't get that. So I know what each and every one of them can do. They'll come out now and say, who did this? I say, don't worry, I know who did it. Oh yeah, just follow me. Because they know, they say, mommy, ah, mommy, how did you know? Because I've studied them, you know? There is a need for parents to do that. There's a need for that bond, you know, to, to be created so that your children can trust you. They can come to you with questions that boggle their mind. You are in the car one day traveling, or we are going to somewhere, and my daughter, she's seven, or she's going to be seven. She blotted out, mommy, what is gay? As much as I have learned about teaching other people, you know, I, <laughs> I felt the heat. I, I can't lie to you, Ugochi, I felt the heat. I was like, okay, seven years, that's pretty, <laughs> that's, that's pretty early, you know. I've already been able to teach the older ones, you know, but this one, okay, fine. So I say, you know what, baby, when we get home, we are going to sit down and talk about it. And another thing parents don't do is carry each spouse along. Mm. My husband immediately accepted. I, he said, no, we are talking about it now. We are having this discussion now. I don't know where you got that. Where did you get it from? And it was from a book, a book, a, 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 a story book she was reading and they mentioned the so she had to ask so we started talking about it it was a conversation everybody in the car had to contribute we had to talk about it we had to talk how it's in the society what they expect and what they can do when they meet anyone they shouldn't alienate you know it was a whole conversation i felt so happy right because i didn't have to shift it because i had a partner that was supportive now yeah. what you see in many homes is that many many spouses are not supportive they leave the conversation to the women. It's all the mothers. The mothers are supposed to do teach this. The mothers are supposed to teach that. I was talking to a relation, actually. And 
he told me, I was saying, oh, your children don't know how to speak Igbo. And he said, don't worry, that's why I married your mother. <laughs> now, I got, I was shocked. I was shocked. I'm like, oh, what? So you, mother you, you is like the leader of the language. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I said, no, but this, this, has to, this is going the wrong way. They have to be two of you, you know. You, she can't be trying and you're, you're scattering. What if she's not there? What happens? So um, a, a, a lady came up and said, and said, because I felt that men cease and all that, the men might not be able to go into that when the child is an adolescent or start growing. I said, okay, fine. What of widowers? What do we do about them? Exactly. The men that have lost, exactly, the men that have lost their wives. Who teaches the children? I have a couple of men that have come to send their children to my program. And they are not shy about this. I mean, they give me so much joy. When I see a father making an impact in the daughter's life, and you're telling me women to women, men to, uh, women to the girls, men to the boys. No, you have to be a collective team. Everybody has hands has to be on board. So I think that that's where the bond starts. When we establish this bond, we are able to talk to the children, they're able to ask us questions, you know, and we're able to answer them. But then if there is always shouting at home, it boils down again to shouting, screaming, how we relate at home. Is the home atmosphere cordial for the child to actually come to you? Some children, when they hear their parents start driving, they dive under the bed. That child is not going to be able to tell you anything that happened at home. Yes, yes. So it is important we establish that relationship. Yeah. Awesome. I, I really love what you have just shared. You've talked about the importance of building rapport. And you said something that was so critical. And this is also something I say to parents. You can't have not built a relationship with your child from when the child was small. And then when they become teenagers, you are not trying to come and be their friend and you expect them to share with you. They will be looking at you with suspicion because they can't tell exactly. if you are pretending or if you really mean it. But if we start early, you know, to build that rapport, and this is why I keep on advocating for what I call a family safety meeting, a, an opportunity, mm. a platform where your, your, um, everyone comes together in the family, they bond, they just, they have fun activities. And then in the course of yes, that activity, you teach something on a regular basis. So you are building a culture in your home. You are building memories that they are going to remember when they grow. But more importantly, even in that having fun moment, they are also learning something critical. And so exactly. if, you, if you don't start early to, to give your children information, when you're not trying mm. to be them later on, they, they found solutions. They have filled that space with someone. Because I know that yes. My, one of my mentors says, um, nature abhors the vacuum. If something is removed mm. from that, something else would fill it. So like in your own case, because mm. you were not getting it from a parent, you, you got it from yes. your parents. And because that vacuum mm. was already filled, you didn't see any need to be informing her on anything. And then you said something that is so important again, when we are caring for our children, we must understand that they are different mm. personalities. So this even boils down to how exactly. we teach them about safety. The way we, uh, maybe one child might prefer you just having that direct conversation with them. Another child might prefer, show me facts. I need to see pictures. I need to see exactly. videos. I need to hear stories of what happened to other people so that I will believe that what you're saying is exactly. serious. And so you must take individual differences of your children into account when providing knowledge. 
and of course, very critical mm. that spouses must be carried along. This work of child safety is not tagged women. No, there is no tag like that. It's mm. not written that you can no. only women. There's only women that have to do it. <laughs> it's a collective effort. All hands must be. See, let me say something again. I I I I was invited to talk. Um, I was in Kaduna some couple of just a month ago, and the man, one of the men, just he just, he was just feeling so uncomfortable with the topic, and he said, "Excuse me, I have to say something." I said, "It's okay," <laughs> and he said to me, "I wish I invited my wife. I don't think I need to be here." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, "Oh no, sir! I actually I." advocate for men to, you know, to be in this class or such classes because it helps us, it helps the women. When they are speaking, when they're talking about something and you and you are there, you can put in your own and, they, and the children also know that daddy's aware, daddy knows what is happening. And this also curtails the fact that, that we hear stories today of men abusing their children. I mean, when you're the one teaching them, when you're the yeah. one teaching them, you know, it's 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 regulates you. It helps you to be in the know. To know this, you cannot do. You understand. So I have a lady that that came to class, um, and 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 um, after we talked about everything, she went home to implement. She talked. She was speaking with the children when the husband walked in and had sex. Immediately he had sex. He didn't even allow her to you know explain or finish. He said, you're already teaching my children sex at the age of seven, eight, and 10. What do you want them to become, prostitutes or what? And he, he stopped her. He was so angry. That is why. So I feel every man, our spouses need to be carried along. There have been so many complaints about husbands not, you know, not being aware. So I think when I started, let me say the truth. When I started, when I, let me say my experience. My husband wasn't in the know. He doesn't know all about this. You know how it is. He doesn't know all about this. Our men are not so ahead, some of them. So, but I noticed that and I read because I needed to have an inclusive, everybody in the home should be included. So I read a book, I give him to read. I go on a program. Okay, it is your turn. I do this, I hand over. We have that discussion. So that was how we started. I mean, and he he fought it, you know, like a typical African man. You're like, am I supposed to be doing all this? I say, yes, because we have kids. If I am not here tomorrow, what happens to our children? You need to carry on. You need to be able to teach. So that is very important. It is. Thank you so much. Thank you for using those practical examples. And I love them because our listeners are going to see how relatable what we're talking about is and know that it is not far off. It can happen to exactly. anyone. I mean, you just went on an errand and something like that happened to you. And you the other That's day, you were just in a car with your family and a child brought the topic up. Those kinds of conversations should be happening. People, parents should not exactly. shut them down and say, ah, no, no that's not for your age. Or, you know, just find a way to wiggle their way out of it. No, it should be addressed in a simple way that the children can understand. And you pointed something out that I really want to talk about, which is the fact that she okay. found that content in a book she was reading. So this is mm. another one for parents, again, 
When we're trying to say we want to ensure child safety, it also means that you also have to censor what your children are exposed to. There's a limit to what you can do, right? But the ones within your yes. control should be able to censor it. Before you hand over books to them, check. As long as it's within your own control, check what is being said in those books. Before you approve certain cartoons for them to watch, watch with them and see what the cartoon is also saying. So that if you see things that you do not agree with, you can start right there to say something about it and nip it in the board. I've seen children watch cartoons and just from mm. watching the cartoons and seeing how a child in that cartoon was stubborn or was maybe throwing mm. a tantrum. And then they begin to also demonstrate the same thing because exactly. they are watching. So if we do not want them mm. to replicate things we are seeing in the media, we must have those yes. conversations. So yes, yes, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, next question for you would be. But so um, we... I'll, let me say something about that, Igbo. Okay. Yeah, because right. um, like um, somebody we are having a discussion and somebody talked about this. She was asking, how many books will I go through? Like, um, how many books? How many videos? How many programs? How many? So, um, I think from my own end, what I do because my children love books. And believe me, Ugochi, I cannot go through all the books that they read. I, they love reading books. So I go to buy books and they are big and there are so many. And I have three children. How many of them will I go to? And each have their age specific books. So what I do is, that's why I tell the parents, what I do is tell them firsthand, if you see this, it is wrong. If you see there are certain things you see that are wrong that you have to come to me and say it. So we need to prepare them first before they see whatever it is that they see and whatever they hear, you know, and they will know because I have also started censoring my children's music. Recently, I started hearing them before the close of school that um, certain songs they were singing. I was like, they don't play these things in house. Where did you get all these songs from? How are you getting all this? Where did you learn? And they sing it verbatim, you know, and without even knowing what they are singing, the words. Yes. So I had to start all, all over from there again. And they said, mommy, is the school bus. The driver plays all the songs and we'll learn it and we'll sing along. You see? So we started talking about censoring songs also. We started talking about the weddings of every song. Does it glorify God? Does it inspire you? Because I teach you my values. Our values at home is from God. Anything God, we love it. Does it inspire you? Does it encourage you? Does it motivate? Is the song okay for you to even sing? The weddings, are they okay? So I started with that. So I told the lady, the fact that we are parents and we are so busy, because you are so busy. Sometimes I think I pray to God for this parenting thing. And seriously, it is not an easy act now. Everybody, parents had their act cut out for them. They have their work marked out for them. As like, if you want to really be intentional, it's going to take all of you. So each day I pray, God, please open my eyes to the things I need to do, to the things I need to see, to the things I need to watch out for these children. Because as a human being, you might not be able to see all. You might not be able to see all that you really, really want to see. And, you know, be exposed to all that they're exposed to. So I teach them, we need to teach them beforehand. Before they see the pornography, before they see everything, teach them what is right. What is wrong? We are not supposed to protect them from the world. Expose them. Like when I see videos of things that happen to children, 
I bring it home. When I see videos of dances, I bring it home. We talk about it. You know, we discuss it. And we say what exactly happened that we learn from what happens to others. You know, it's so it's important to show them. So some parents are afraid they show these children, they start doing it. No, let us be the one that expose them to it and tell them the advantage, the disadvantage, you know, what it can, that this can harm them and this can expose them to other things that they are not prepared for. So. Awesome. I really like that because, you know, one of the things I mentioned when I was um, talking to you about that is that the one within your sphere of influence, because the truth is, mm -hmm. like you mentioned, there are some things that are outside our control. And then the importance yeah, exactly. of that preparation ahead. And as you mm. were explaining, the, as you were talking about preparing them and how pre when, pre what preparing them does is when they encounter it, they know how to act. It all reminded me of this story that I like to share, which I heard from Barista Kilami about a teacher who had okay. asked the girl a question. I think whether he asked her, either maybe have you kissed someone before or are you a virgin or something like that. And the girl was like, excuse me, sir, I'm not comfortable with that question. And she went home and she told her mother, she said, mommy, you said if somebody asked me this kind of question, I should let you know. And I love the fact that the next day, the father wow. and the mother showed up in that school, not just in the school. mother. Yes. Exactly. And they went to speak to um, school management and investigation happened and it was discovered that this teacher had already assaulted about 15 girls in that school. Wow. But how wow. did this story come out? The story came out because he used certain keywords. He said certain things to a child whose parent had said something to her. And that is why wow. the importance of preparation is critical. When we tell yes. our children what to do, when we prepare them ahead, when they find themselves in those situations or encounter media, encounter content, encounter other children mm. with divergent views, they would be able to make the right choice. And that is what is important exactly. here because truly, like you said, they are going to live here in the world, we cannot shield them. Our own mm -hmm. part is to prepare them and hope that when they, are, when they step into those spaces and they encounter those things, they can make the right decision. So thank you so much. You have really touched on so many important things. And I'm going to talk about the school bus thing you just mentioned. Parents yeah. education listening to us right here. Whatever is within your own sphere of influence, do your own best to play your part. If in your home there are certain mm -hmm. music that you know that you don't want your kids to hear, if as a school mm -hmm. owner you know that there are certain values that you are propounding in your school, then it must cut through from management down to even the security personnel. You can't believe in certain exactly. kinds of values and then your school bus driver is playing certain kinds of music with children under a certain age. And bearing in mind mm. that many times this music, in fact, music in particular, you don't have to learn it. Yes. You will just need to get mm. it over and over again, and it registers over. in your brain. I was just telling, um, telling, I shared on my social media that just being around my little niece for a little while, her, her, her baby songs from YouTube have registered in my memory, and I find myself singing them. On a normal day, I would not be singing um, nursery rhymes and all those things. But because I've heard <laughs> it enough in my space, it has registered. Same goes for this music. So mm. we must have those kinds of conversations and say, if we're trying to create um, an atmosphere 
that um, that present mm. a certain kind of message. It must cut through from the top to the bottom. There's certain music that is not yes. allowed in the school bus, and the school bus drivers must know. Someone must have that conversation with them from scratch. So it's, yes. and it's not, again, just trying to, um, should I say, create a cocoon. It's basically forming a mindset, shaping a mindset in the child so that mindset. when they see themselves in certain situations, they can act. So um, thank you. I would like you to tie this um, session to um, safety incidences that you have heard or seen in the course of the work you have done. So for example, if a child has gone through sexual assaults, what are the things that mm. would happen to the child um, physically and emotionally? And the reason I want you to mm. share these things is so that if there is a parent here who is not certain if their child has encountered something, just maybe something you say can make them recognize something they have seen in their child and then can help them take action. So you tell us about the physical or emotional signs and then also say what they can okay. do. Yes, yeah, so that um, right. we have talked about how they can prepare, what are the things they need to do. But now, yes. just in case it has already happened, what should they be looking out for? And what are the steps going forward? Yeah, the, the fact remains that no parents want their children to be abused. And no parents want to hear that at all. It's more like um, a, a huge trouble for any parent. And, um, but then, we cannot all, even while we teach our children, we can only pray that they don't fall into such travels and fall into such, you know, abuse or anything. But then there are also signs that are there to show that a child is being abused, and which many parents don't know because if you know, you should be able to um, see and notice and observe that, oh, what is happening? What is going on here? Why is this child behaving like this? <clears throat> excuse me. So, please excuse me. Let me just. No, that's fine. That's fine. You've been giving it so, to us. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like I mentioned, there are signs, and some of it are like children, you know, doing certain things that they we are not doing before. Okay, especially when the abuser is right there in the room or in right at home and the child is there living with the abuser. It actually, it breeds so many things. The child starts to disobey. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, Let me clear my voice, please. Okay. Thank you. So the child starts to disobey. In a place where a child will normally go, joyfully go on a run, he can, the person can send them and you see them outright disobey, outright disobedience, like, I'm not going to do it, you know? Mm. That is showing a rebellion to the person, you know, to the, to the adult. Then also, that's a sign telling you that you need to find out why is the child behaving like this? Especially when the child is an obedient one. Whenever you ask, they do. Then at that point, they refuse. Or sometimes, like, what happened to me? Go to, imagine my mom telling me now to go down to that, um, because we are living in a flat. Go down to that flat and tell, give an errand again to, to, to the family. Do you think it, I'll be willing to go? And no. 
because of my experience, I wouldn't. So that rebellion starts. Then also some children go back to um, bedwetting. Some children go back to bedwetting. You know, that's another sign. Then another one is dreaming. You know, dreaming, having bad dreams, nightmares. Some of them start having nightmares. Then, um, of course, that is the um, the one of using words that are not supposed to use, sexual words they are not supposed to use ordinarily. A child that is not supposed to say "fuck you" or or do other things. You know, the words they're supposed to use. You start hearing so many adult words coming out from them. Then another thing is, um, if it's a physical sign, if the child that is physically that has been abused, the child you see the sign, some signs on the child's body. The way they walk can tell you that something is wrong, you know. Then also, if you want to bet the child, if the, the abuse has caused you know a trauma of some sort, they might refuse for you to touch their private part or any part of their body that have been abused, you know, because of pain. So all these things parents have to look at. And also emotionally, it's always a child might be seen throwing tantrums. Where they are not supposed to, especially when they have outgrown that stage, they see so tantrums, they are moody, they always want to stay by themselves. You know, they are moody, they want to stay alone, they don't want to go to a particular place or mingle with everybody. You know, so there are all these signs parents have to watch out and look out for. So a woman was telling me that it feels that the child, that her daughter is Obanji. Uh, whatever they call, you know, that you feel that the child is being bewitched, you know. That's, but then it doesn't, she didn't know that the child is reacting to what is happening around her. The child is reacting to, to, to the effects, you know, of the trauma she's experiencing. So the way she launches out is to attract attention. All the bad behavior she's, you know, lashing out is for somebody to come closer and ask. What is going on? You know, in a loving way. There are ways, there are ways you can get information from children. But what they get at that moment is flogging and more flogging, you know, and shouting on and shouting on. And they're not getting the help they need. And many times children don't know how to express themselves about abuse, especially sexual abuse. They don't know how to say it. Many times they will not come out to tell you. Yes. And sometimes also, I have seen a mother that shot her daughter up. When she mentioned that um, uncle touched me in a bad way, that's how she said it. She didn't know what to call her private part. So she said, uncle touched me in the down, down bad way. So the mother said, you have started um, talking like somebody that is mad. What is bad, bad way? <laughs> you know, so, you know, after that, she never said that again to her mom. She never said it again. She told a student, her neighbor, she told her neighbor um, when the girl was telling her that they learned safety, body safety in school, that nobody's supposed to, you know how children are, they just pass information without even knowing what they are saying. That nobody's supposed to touch a private part. They, that auntie, one auntie came to the school and talked to them. She was saying this to the girl, and the girl said, that is how uncle used to touch me. And I told mommy, mommy didn't do anything. And when she said that this other girl was like, are you sure? So she narrated everything she was experiencing. And the other girl ran away to her own mother to report mm. what the other girl had told her. Her own mother quickly 
got ready and went to see this other woman. And the first thing the woman said was that my daughter is lying. There is nothing like that happening here. And there is no way it is happening and I will not know. So really, Ugochi, when I hear such things, my heart is broken. When they brought the case to me, I couldn't talk. I was, how can you doubt your daughter? I don't know, the girl is seven. How can you doubt your seven-year-old daughter? As in, how can she even make up a story like this? Story like that. She's, like, it, that's not a story I, that I, children I, I, will just wake up and say. Exactly. That is it. That is it. But many parents are like that. They don't, you know, the funny thing is because that is the culture of the culture, the, the culture of shame I'm talking about. They don't want to be associated with that. Because we too, so many of them pass through, pass through the same, you know, um, experience. So they block it off. Instead of using it to teach their children, they block it off. So imagine when your daughter brings that up. This is happening, you know, you know, it's like opening their wound, the, the trauma that they had before. So everything is coming up now to the forefront. So this woman refused. And what she mentioned was that that young man has been a, a tremendous help to us in watching them, in taking care of them she, since he stepped into the home. And there is nothing like that happening. What will it happen? Is it when you're in school or when I'm at home? And there is also something parents forget that you put an adult and children in a particular room, especially somebody, even if it's a relation, somebody hadn't seen you know, in a while, they come visiting and they sleep right there in your children's room. You don't know who this person are. They must have changed by influence of other people around them. You had known them before, you don't know them now. People are dynamic, people change, you know? So that is, that is not funny. I, I mean, I tell parents, please, let the person sleep on passage, or even let your children sleep on the passage. Let them sleep anywhere, not in the same place with a visitor in a closed room where you don't know this person anymore. Yes, it's your relation, but you found out that many parents vouch for their relation more than their kids. You know, so it has caused a lot of problems. So the first thing I would tell parents is start believing your children when they tell you anything. Believe them. I mean, because they can't make this up. It's important to believe them at that first time because if you don't, like the boy that said that um, he didn't tell his mom about the abuse that was going on in school because he was afraid of his mother than the teacher. The teacher is buying him Coke and Fanta and uh, snacks and the abuse is going on. The mother at home will be screaming on him at any, any little thing. So he trusted that he trusted the abuser than his mom. His mom. This is exactly what this young boy said after almost how many months of abuse. So he's collecting those gifts as a consolation. Because if I tell my mom, my mom is going to abuse me even more. Yeah. Physical abuse, that is real. Flog me and tell me it's my fault. So the, he decided not to talk until the aunt. The, the aunt came to the house and noticed the way he was walking and started asking questions and he opened up. So right under our roofs, as parents, many children are going through terrible things and we don't know about it. So it is important we notice how the children are walking, their behavior, their mood changes. Your child is not doing this way anymore. 
your child is not a cranky child, he's a happy child. And suddenly he launches to become a moody, moody and all. You need to ask questions. You need to go out of your way, not with fear, threatening them. No, because they will not talk. If you're threatening them on your side, the abuser is threatening them on another side. So where would they run to? Where will be their super and safety? So it is important that parents really, you know, come down to the level of the children, believe whatever your parents, your child says, investigate about it to know whether what is happening is true instead of accusing the child. Okay. Okay. Mm. Wow. This has been such an amazing, amazing, amazing session. And, you know, when you spoke about that believability, I, I remembered also in Abuja, how a girl told me that she told her mom and her mom didn't do anything. Please, parents, when your children tell you these kinds of things, they must not live with the idea that you will not do anything. Because if they feel that you will not yes. do anything, what you are communicating to them is that you are not the solution provider for them. So they are going to look for alternatives. Exactly. And that may be where they would fall mm -hmm. into the wrong hands. So please, you must be seen right. doing something. You must assure them. You must let them know that I, I got you. I, anything, I'm here to protect you. That's my job. Thank you so much, yeah. Mrs. Mube, for such an amazing and enlightening session. Before you leave, mm -hmm. just to wrap up, um, could you just final okay. words, maybe a sentence, final words on this whole session? And then after your final words about a sentence, you know, Please, could you share how people can contact you? Because I know we have listeners today who might be saying, okay, this has been an amazing session. I'd like you to come and teach the children in maybe my place of worship or in my school or even okay. in my house. How can they um, contact you? So final words and how can you be contacted? Okay. Um, my final word to parents and everyone listening is that children cannot protect themselves from sexual abuse. They can't protect themselves from any abuse. We are the people, it's an adult thing. Adult prevention is very, very important in preventing sexual abuse. Adult education, you have to learn to be able to protect your child. If you don't know, how will you do that? You know, ignorance is not bliss anymore. We really need to be able to educate our children. But if you don't know what to educate, you yourself don't know. How will you know what to teach your children? How will you know the signs? You know, it's, it, so it's just like running around in circles and all that. So if everybody around us knows about what sexual abuse is, the signs, then our children will limit all the scourge that is going on around, scourge of sexual abuse. You see, every day you open this, um, you open the um, social media, you open, because of social media and technology, you cannot hear things. So every day, it's like every day, it's in every day. I just saw one this afternoon, I shook my head. I was like, God, help us, you know? So we need to be at the forefront. Adults, adults, whether you're a parent, whether you're um, um, a parent, you're married or not married, everybody has to champion it. Because at the end of the day, if you don't do it, it's maybe the child that you didn't train or that thing that you didn't learn might be what will target you in future. Then also um, our children's priority. Our child protection is number one priority. There's no priority again, especially where children are concerned. Yes, money is good. You know, all those things are good, but the priority, first priority is children. Many times we put money first and our children second, and that shouldn't be really. So it's important that we place our children first. Everything that concerns our children, especially in our culture, has to be first. 
you know, then there is no need for any shame around sex in your home. When I was talking to, I talked to my children, I told them, is your vagina, is your vulva itching, is it penning you or not? There must be a culture of openness so that children be able to be open with us. You know, if there is any, everything shrouded in secrecy, if they talk about sex, you say, shh, 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 where did you hear that from? Then nobody's going to open up. Nobody's going to open up. So our parents need to know that internet is everywhere, technology, they are ready to learn from anywhere. But we have to be their teacher first so that we'll teach with our values. So when I'm teaching my children, I start with, you know what we believe in. You cannot do this. You cannot do that because of what we believe in our foundation. I use the values to teach my children. So everybody has to use their values to teach their children what they believe in and what their child can believe in when they go out there to meet. So um, also you asked of where parents can meet. Uh, I, can, I, talk, I, <laughs> I speak in schools, I speak in churches. I speak in birthdays. People invite me for birthdays only to come and talk to, you know, children and adults there. You know, so it has been a, a wonderful thing doing that seriously because yes, I enjoy that. And yes, it, birthdays, birthday and like, that birthday is a very good idea. I've never really even thought about birthday, but it's perfect. Yes. It's perfect to catch everybody in the same space, the children and their parents. <laughs> Exactly. The, the last birthday we went for, they packed up every party and kept aside. And I kept talking. They didn't want to go again. We left there around 9 p.m. And the woman was saying, we need to go. We need to go. You know, I, I spent like two hours and they just left everything. They, they you know, delayed. They didn't believe these things were happening had gotten that bad. People are ignorant about this. You know, there needs to be more sensitization going on especially in the communities. I, sometimes I tell people that my work, is not, my work is not on social media. God told me that. Sometimes when I'm, I'm doing as if I'm running around, doing as if I'm not doing anything much, your job is not on social media. Yes. Your job is to reach out to people in the communities. There are many people that are not on social media that need to hear this. Our yes. communities are lacking in this information. So we need to push in and push out to all those communities and rural areas where all these things is just, you know, a family thing. They have taken it as a family thing. When it happens to their children, they settle it as a family. Some collect 20,000, collect 10,000, and that it dies there. And the child continues to suffer. So um, I have my, I have my, um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook at um, the Safety Club. The Safety Club, that's my Instagram page. And also on, on Facebook, the Safety Club, that, that's, um, that's my group page also. So I can be reachable, you know, Ngozi Unis Move, I can be reachable on Facebook or Instagram for any education or for anything. I'm there to help. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. This has been such a super session. Thank you so much for sharing with practical examples. Thank you for sharing your Thank personal you. story. I know there are so many people who cannot share their personal stories because, you know, shame and stigma. Mm. But thank you. Thank you for sharing because with what you, you have know, let shared. Me tell, let me say something again. Okay. You know, let me say something. Um, just uh, one last thing before uh, we round up. Um, when I started talking about this safety program, I got so many threats on Facebook, in, on, online, I got many threats. 
I got people threatening me. Some said they can't come to my clothes, my children again. Some said, I'm, you're so negative. I'm always talking about negative things happening to children. So there were so many things. So sent me mail, you know, harassment and all that, that everything about doing online is to harass people. <laughs> so, and I felt that this is needed. At the same time, some other people told me that I'm actually like a voice to them because they actually went through this kind of thing and they can't open up. Up to this time, I still got adults that send me messages that, oh, they wish they can actually come out to talk about their experiences. So you see that many, many people have this experience, especially parents, and they're not willing to open up. It's bothering this side of them. Sometimes some person told me that this is like a trigger to her because once I start talking, she starts seeing images of what she had gone through and all that, and she hadn't been able to open up to anybody. So there is a need for us to call out people to really come out because I feel this is a lesson. I feel this is like a lesson. I told people that I didn't have only one experience. I had several experiences, even as a young adult. I was nearly raped by my patient. <laughs> and it, it, it shows you that it shows you how socialized the world has been, how socialized the world is. And it's still continuing, it's not stopping. So everybody's voice needs to be on board for us to conquer this. You know, it is not one person's there because at some point your child goes out to school, it's been tapped on the bottom. Some abyss, their, their breasts are being touched. You know, they experience so many assaults before they get home and they don't talk about it. They mm. keep quiet and it's so sad. Wow. Wow. So I really, I really, I really wish that many parents will come out because I know that many people have these experiences and they're keeping quiet about it. It will help the generation coming up to know these things are real. It is happening. And these are the way we can curtail it. It will even tell them what is abuse. Okay, because I was walking down the street and I, to, to where my car was parked. And I was, I saw a young lady walking down. Another young guy came out and slapped her on the button. I had to put it on social media. Yes. And I was asking this question. Yes, slapped her. And you would think that she will react in a very, you know, in a violent way, knowing that somebody has really done something nasty to her. But she smiled. And she, I was shocked. She said, don't do that again. She smiled. And, and, and I felt so irritated. Do you know? I felt so irritated. So, so many of our young children don't know what abuse means. They don't know. Because nobody told them. Mm. So it's important Thank that we you. keep having this conversation. this conversation is really important. Please, yes. to all our listeners, um, this has been an amazing session. Just one thing I'm asking for everybody who has listened to this point, share this video, share this link, whether you're you listening on the podcast or you're watching the video on YouTube, please share it with your mm. WhatsApp groups. Please share mm. it with the parents in your network. Please share it on your Facebook. Just share it because the truth is, the only way we are going to keep on pushing this yeah. message so that more people know about it is by sharing what we know with others. The truth is, you and I yes. may have heard about this, but there are some people who would never hear about this, except someone is intentional about sharing that message yes. today. So please, it's not enough yes. to only share jokes on social media. Mm. Share 
valuable information so that you know people can learn and our children can be protected so thank you thank yeah. you i know that if we want to we, we actually want to sustain this conversation for the next two hours we can because i mean the topic cannot end right but we've got to stop now we've got to really stop now so thank, thank you so you. much for joining thank you to all our thank listeners and we, yes we hope to also get your feedback so see you all in the next episode bye Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening in on this episode of Safety Moments with the Safety Chick. I hope it's been a good one for you. Feel free to leave a review. And if you'd love to get information on when the next episode drops, join our Telegram channel at t.me slash the safety chick. Chick without a K, just C H I C. So t.me slash the safety